Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Take your Bibles and open up to Matthew chapter 6, if you would please. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to stand for the reading of God's Word. And Matthew chapter 6. As we continue our series on stewardship. Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to take a look at verse 24. I've entitled this message, Two Masters. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24, as we look into the word of God this morning, the Bible says, no man can serve two masters. For he either will hate the one and love the other, or else hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot... Ye cannot serve God and mammon. You're either going to hate the one and love the other. You're going to hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to be able to open up your word and learn about stewardship, to learn about giving, to learn about serving you or serving money, loving you or loving material. And so, Father, I thank you for you being the greatest giver by giving your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on Calvary's cross for our sin. We are so thankful for that. And Lord, thank you for the free gift to know that our sins can be forgiven. We can have a relationship with you. You can make us whole once again. You can make us the complete being that we were designed to be, to be in communion with you just as in the garden, but because of sin. It destroyed it all. It ruined it all. But Lord, you gave your son so that we could have that back once again. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. Sin destroyed what God had originally given us in the garden, perfect communion with Him. And that is ultimately what we are being led back to. That is one of the reasons for Jesus Christ, that He is bringing us back into communion with Him. And God, the great giver, has given us our Savior. And this morning I want us to take a look at our stewardship and what that means for us in our relationship with Christ. 
It reminds me, though, of a mother who was hysterical because her little boy had swallowed a quarter. And she was all up in arms. She turned to her husband and screamed for uh, her husband to call the doctor. So he picked up the phone, but instead of calling the doctor, he called the pastor. The wife was upset and said, we don't need the pastor. We need some medical help. Our little boy has swallowed a quarter, which he quickly turned to her and replied, hey, our pastor can get money out of anyone. Stewardship is not about getting money out of you. Giving is not about getting to your purse or to your wallet. It's about getting to your heart. And how you view money and how I view money, listen, has a direct impact on how you view God. That's what I want you to remember throughout this whole week. How you view money... And how I view money, how we view money together has a direct impact on how we view God. Go back to our text here in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 19, if you would. And the Bible says in Matthew 6, 19, it says, Lay not for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. See, your worldview, and part of that has to do with your treasure, your, your money, your possessions, your material wealth, will determine who or what you will serve, which reveals who or what you're really in love with. Did you get that? Your worldview of treasure... Your possessions, my possessions, our, 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 our material wealth will determine who or what you will serve, which reveals who or what you are in love with. See, what happens is, if we are not careful, the love of money will separate us from the love of God. If we're not careful and we start to love money, it will separate us in our fellowship with God. And it's from this passage that I want us to see this morning uh, that if you and I love more money more than we love the master. Do you love money and do I love money more than I love the master? I think all of us would uh, initially say, well, no, that's not true, pastor. But I think that we can find out from uh, this portion of scripture if we do or not. It's one thing for a doctor, for you to go into a doctor and a doctor to look at you and say, no, you do not have cancer. You say, well, doc, you didn't even diagnose the problem. Well, I can just look at you and I can tell. You look like a healthy person. You don't have cancer. Well, you say, well, you need to diagnose me. You ought to take some, uh, maybe some uh, blood and, and maybe uh, do some x-rays and that type of thing. No, you're good. You know, there's many Christians that, that diagnose their love for God the same way as that doctor diagnosed that patient with cancer. There's no diagnosis at all. 
They, they don't ask the tough questions. They, they don't do a little bit of probing to find out if they really love God more than they do material wealth or possessions. And there are four indicators, I believe, that we can find throughout Scripture if we love money more than the master, which really lets you know where your relationship is with God. I want you to take a look, write this down first. Number one, you only give what is required. You only give what is required. Now, if you've never tithed before, and this is your first time tithing, and you're just starting to, to learn to tithe, I, I'm, not, I'm not talking to you. That, that's a good step for you. But I'm talking to those of us who have been in church 10, 20, 30, 40 years. You only give what is required, letter A, the tithe. I want you to turn to uh, Genesis chapter 14, if you would please. Genesis chapter 14. What is required of all Christians is to start with the tithe. In Genesis chapter 14, you might say, well, what is the tithe? Let's take a look at it. Genesis chapter 14 and verse 20. And blessed be the most high God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave him tithes of all. And he gave him tithes of all. You say, well, that doesn't really tell me what the tithe is. Well, then turn to Hebrews chapter 7, if you will, please. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 2. See, you can tell if you love uh, money more than you do God if all that you do is give what is required. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 2, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. Not just his income, but of all. Did you get that? In Genesis chapter 14 verse 20, it says he gave him tithes of all. So that means his grains, his fruits. That means his cattle. That means his money. That means everything that he had. It gave him tithe of all. Now take a look at Hebrews 7 2. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, after that also king of Salem. It's talking about uh, Melchizedek, which is king of peace. Well, what we can find here is that according to the Word of God, according to the Bible, that the tithe is 10%. So you only give what is required. What is that, the tithe? You can take a look, letter B, you can fill this in. You might have already filled it in because you can figure it out. The tithe is required. There would be some that say the tithe is not required today. Scripture teaches us that the tithe is required. Uh, th there would be some that might say, well, the tithe is only under the law. And, and so therefore, because we are not under the law, we are under grace. The tithe is not required. It does not apply to us. But my friends, if you take a look at Scripture, you can find that the tithe was before the law. You can find that the tithe was during the law. And you can find that the tithe was after the law. We are Open Bible Baptist Church, Right? And so since we are open Bible, we take a look at what the Bible has to say. In Genesis chapter 14, we see first Abraham commenced it. Abraham started the tithe. Take a look at Genesis chapter 14. Now Abraham was before the law. The law didn't come until Moses. And 
take a look at uh, Genesis chapter 14 and verse 18 through 20. Abraham commenced it. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine, and he was the high priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham, uh, Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave him tithes, here we go, of all. Abraham commenced it. We can see that Jacob continued it. Take a look at Genesis chapter 28. It just didn't stop with Abraham. It continued on with Jacob. And in Genesis chapter 28, verses 20 and 21, and Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall be the Lord my God. Jacob continued it. Moses confirmed it. Take a look at Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30. Now we're under the law. That was before the law. Now we're under the law. And, the, and all the tithes, Leviticus chapter 27 and verse 30. And all the tithes of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, it is the Lord's, it is holy unto the Lord. Malachi commanded it. So uh, Abraham commenced it. Jacob continued it. Moses confirmed it. Malachi commanded it. Take a look at Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Abraham commenced it. Jacob continued it. Moses confirmed the tithe. Malachi commanded it. Take a look in the New Testament now. Jesus commended it. Take a look at Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23. Woe unto you scribes and Pharisees. Now listen, this would have been a time for Jesus to relinquish the tithe right here. If there was not to be any tithe after the law, this would have been a perfect time right here. Now take a look at what he says. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrite! For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These have ye ought to done. Now, he could have said right there, see, you should have been more concerned about judgment, mercy, and faith. And he could have said, and you don't have to worry anymore about tithing on, you, on those other things. He didn't say that. He could have stopped right there and then ended the tithes. But instead, he says, these ought you to have done and not leave the other undone. He said, you're missing out on something here that you should be doing. Don't stop doing what you were doing. That's basically what he's saying. Don't stop doing what you were doing because remember, the Pharisees were concerned with the law. And Jesus said, but you ought to do this as well. And then Paul confirmed it. Take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16. So Abraham commenced it. Jacob continued it. Moses confirmed it. Malachi commanded it. Jesus commended it. And Paul confirmed it. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 2. Now Paul had to have a starting point. 
there's no one in here that would say that grace does not take you further than the law does. We all know that. You better hope that the law doesn't take you further than grace. Grace always takes us further than the law does. The Bible plainly teaches us that we can't be saved by the law. So if we, if, if we think that, well, that was just for the law, Paul right here, he confirms it because he has a starting place and he's saying, though you're under grace, there's got to be some place to start. And take a look, upon the first day of the week, that's Sunday, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. The whole point is, Paul could have stated just like Jesus did, that there was no more reason to tithe. Paul was looking back at the law and he was saying, look, God has prospered you and it's as he has prospered you, give the tithe. But actually what he's saying is, as he's prospered you, even lay up more. See, tithing is a scriptural principle. It's the baseline before, uh, uh, it's the baseline for every Christian. See, if if you're just giving what you're required, now I'm not talking about those who have never tithed before and they're just starting out. But if you are just giving what is required, you might want to check your love relationship with Christ. Because let me ask you, when you, when you love somebody, you don't give them just what's required. Think about your kids and your grandkids. Now that I've got a grandbaby, I have to get a second job just to be able to afford that kid. Because all he's going to have to do is he's going to have to look at me, hey, Poppy, hey, Poppy, hey, Poppy, can you, can you, I want that. I'll be like, all right, kid, there you go. Hey, Poppy, I, I mean, my wife said, you're not going to be able to say no to him. I'm like, no, so don't have him around too much. <laughs> well, I, I don't just want to be able to put clothes on his back. I don't want to be just able to help feed him. I want to get him. Why? Because I love that little boy. I want to be able to, man, if he wants to go, if he's five years old, wants to go to Fleming's Steakhouse, guess where we're going? I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. I just might have to wash dishes afterwards. But why? I want to make sure. I don't want that kid just to have a McDonald's hamburger, man. I want you to have the best hamburger. Why? Because I love that kid. Isn't that what you do for kids? Somebody, you, you always give more than what's required. See, Abraham and Jacob tithed. Listen, they tithed 500 years before the law was instituted. Moses and Malachi and Jesus spoke of tithing during the period of the law. And Paul explained and expected tithing after the law. So we can see from Scripture that tithing is required. But if all you do is what's required of you, your heart's not where it should be. I want you to see this principle in the book of Luke of just doing what's required of you. Take a look at Luke chapter 17 for a second. Luke chapter 17. That's why I've asked everybody, me and my wife, we've already increased our giving. We've already done it. We started out in the uh, first week or second week of January. We've already increased our giving. So I'm not asking you to do something that I wouldn't be willing to do. And every year we increase our giving. We increase our giving whether we get an increase in our income or not. Why? Because the mission matters the most to me. I want to see people saved. 
I want to see people baptized. I want to see people discipled. I, I want us to reach more mission, uh, uh, people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ around the world with missions. And you know what else? I want fruit that's going to abound in my account one day. I want some rewards. I do. So that way I've got something to give back to Jesus when I get there. But see, when we do what's just required of us, it shows something about our relationship. Take a look at Luke chapter 17, if you would, in verse 7 through 10. He's talking about a servant and a master here, about, uh, about a more, the servant working. But which of you, having a servant plowing and feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by when he's come from the field, so he's, he's gone out and he's done what he was paid to do, go sit down to meet. You're not going to say that. And will not rather say to him, make ready wherewith I may sup. Wait, you're the servant. You're not going to, as the master, as the boss, you're not going to tell him to go sit and eat while you go serve him. No. Rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me till I've eaten and drunken. And afterwards thou shalt eat and drink. Doth he thank that servant because he did the things that were commanded of him? I throw not. So likewise ye, when ye have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty. I can guarantee you anybody reading this passage of Scripture can look at it and say, there is no love relationship between that master and servant right there. It is all business. See, the servant did just what was required. And it reveals that that relationship was pure business. It was clinical. It was cold. It was detached. There was nothing personal or passionate about that relationship there. And when you and I, when we only give what's required, we are really revealing how detached and how clinical our relationship with God really is. See, friends, the number one competitor for my heart and for your heart is money. And if I'm going to follow Jesus Christ financially... I must do it intentionally because it will not happen by accident. If I'm going to follow the Lord Jesus Christ financially, you and I, we must do it intentionally because those things don't happen by accident. Guess what? Your salvation didn't happen by accident. You decided to follow Jesus Christ intentionally. He said, for I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. What did you do? You intentionally followed what Jesus said. You realized that you were a sinner. I realized that I was a sinner. I placed my faith and trust in him and him alone and the death on the cross. And so I followed him intentionally. And because, now listen, because I have followed him intentionally, and because some of you in here has followed him intentionally, are you blessed today because of that? Yes. And guess what? When we follow him intentionally in whatever area it is, we just happen to be talking about stewardship. Okay? This is our stewardship month here. So those who are visiting with us, don't think that this is a typical church. All we ever do is talk about money. Okay? The simple fact of the matter is we need to learn how to follow Jesus Christ financially and we must do that intentionally and guess what you'll be blessed the first indicator that you love money more than God is that you only give what is required and again I'm not talking about those who have never given before who are just starting out on tithing that's the first step 
Matter of fact, for those who have never started tithing, that does show your love for the Lord. But those of us who have known Christ for a long time, that's our baseline. Number two, you think of yourself before God. You think of yourself before God. Take a look at back in Matthew chapter 6, if you would. Letter A, take no thought. If you're filling out your program there, take no thought. Take a look at Matthew chapter 6, if you would. And we're going to look at verses 25 through 31. Matthew chapter 6. Therefore I say unto you, here we go. Take no thought for your life. You ever sit there and just ponder that, that statement right there? That's a really strong statement. Because we do everything that we can in our power to survive, don't we? Jesus doesn't say be foolish. Jesus doesn't say be stupid. But I can remember, I remember with Steve Jobs, one of the wealthiest men uh, that have ever lived, that he did everything that he could to extend his life. My friend, the Bible says, when it's appointed unto men once to die, Hebrews chapter uh, uh, 7, uh, when it's appointed unto men once to die, after that, the judgment. Why do you bring that up about Steve Jobs? Because he was trying to do everything that he could to extend his life. He was taking thought of his life. He did not want to die. Jesus says here, take no thought for your life. And then he qualifies, what is he talking about here? He says, what ye shall eat. One of the things that I did, <laughs> I, I, I kind of disobeyed this this morning. Because I said, and I don't think it's real disobedient, I'm just joking with you. I just said, hey honey, what are we going to have for lunch today? You know, and I was wondering about what I was going to eat when I got home. <laughs> I knew there's going to be a few amens during stewardship month, but I'm thankful for any way I can get them. I want to know, what, what was I going to eat? Take no thought what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body. What you shall put on is not the life. Now listen, this is what Jesus is saying. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air. Then he starts giving us some examples here. For they sow not, neither do they reap, neither gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Jesus is saying, look, God takes care of the fowls. He takes care of the birds of the air. And you're better than a bird. It just goes to prove one thing. Side note, you didn't evolve. You were created. 1 Corinthians also teaches us about that. It teaches us about how there is one flesh of animals and one flesh of humans. There is the celestial and the terrestrial. It talks about that, okay? And why take ye thought for raiment? Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little, O ye of little, O ye of little, what was that word? Oh, I'm sorry, I got stuck on that one there, sorry. Take, uh, therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or... Wherewithal shall we be clothed? You know what it comes down to? It comes down to our faith, does it not? See, three times in this passage, it says, take no thought. And then, and then it asks a question, why are you taking thought? You know what he's saying? Don't worry about it. 
Uh, we'll put it in modern term vernacular. I got this. I got this. It's all okay. See, the instruction for us is not to be anxious, not to be concerned, not to care for the things of the world. And in this wording here, Jesus is not making a request. He's not saying, now, now please do not do this. Jesus is not saying, now this would be well for you if you did not do this, but if you don't, well, no. This is a command. This is a command. You wonder why we're so anxious at times and why we're, we worry so much and why we fret so much? is because we're not obeying the command. Just about in everything in life. This is something that we are not to do. Do you really think it would go well for a child? Well, maybe in, in nowadays it would, but it used to be that, that when, it, when an adult or an authority gave a command to a child and the child didn't do that command, it usually didn't work out too well for that child. Things didn't go well for that child. There was some form of discipline. I remember when I was a, a child and I was at my grandparents' house, my pop-up and mama's house. That was my dad's grandparents. And my mama said, it's going to have dinner soon. So we were looking forward to that. But I was sitting next to the candy dish. They always had candy out in their candy dish. And I was probably about seven or eight. And so I was sitting there on the couch and... and uh, my dad said, now, son, I don't want you eating any of that candy. And so I was just sitting there, and I was doing this with my fingers in my hand. And I was looking at him, and then he looked at me, and he gave me that eye. He said, I don't want you touching that candy. And so I just put my hand back for a little bit. Then I looked. He wasn't looking, and I just started going like this. I did that three or four times, and then finally I grabbed the candy. He realized I grabbed the candy, and you know what he, he did? He said, oh, come here, son. I just love you so much, and he gave me a big old hug and kissed me on the cheek. And No, he grabbed my hand, and he smacked my hand. He said, now I told you, don't touch the candy. I disobeyed a command. I didn't listen to my thought. It didn't go well for me. There was a little bit of pain that was inflicted. But guess what? I learned to obey the command. See, our hearts are not to be governed by these things. See, when you and I, when we care more and are more concerned about our physical needs than we are God's work, it reveals our heart. Not only does he say here that the indicator of our relationship is we think of ourselves before God. We're not to take any thought, but letter B. What does that mean then? Take a look at letter B. Seek first God's kingdom. Instead of putting my needs, instead of putting your needs first, the Bible tells us to put the kingdom of God first. Jesus tells us first to seek the kingdom of God, which is also a command. It's a command. I was talking with a couple hunters uh, the other day. And, you know, when you go hunting, you're not lackadaisical about it. They said, man, we've been hunting hard, and we're not, we're not getting anything. What are they doing? They're seeking after a deer. I'm not going to give you any names of those who want to kill Bambi, but they're in our church, and I just I, I don't want anybody to be upset, you know. 
I'm glad at least you got that, Sheila. Thank you so much. But they were, they're seeking, right? They're seeking after that deer. They're not just laissez-faire about it. They want some meat in their fridge to be able to carry them through the winter, right? How many of us really seek the kingdom of God? We're to seek God's kingdom before we seek anything else. To seek is to desire. It is to look for. And Jesus is telling us to, go, to cultivate a heart to, that, that desires to put the kingdom of God first in all that we do, but especially in our finances. You say, well, how can I cultivate a heart like that? The Bible says where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You want to cultivate a heart like that? Here you go. Be a generous giver. Be a liberal giver. Be an abundant giver to God's work. That will help cultivate a heart. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. There will be a desire and a passion for the kingdom of God. And in doing so, you'll also be obedient unto the command. So what's first in your seeking? Let me ask you that. What's first in your seeking? What's first in my seeking? To meet our physical needs or the kingdom of God? First two indicators that you and I, we might love money more than we love the master, is that we only give what we're required. We place our needs in front of God's kingdom. Number three, you give out of duty and not delight. You give out of duty and not delight. Take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, if you would. Uh, letter A is stingy, stingy or sparingly. Stingy or sparingly. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, if you would, please. Take a look at verses 6 and 7. But this I say, he was soweth sparingly, shall also reap sparingly. And he was soweth bountifully, shall also reap bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Now here, you give out of duty and not delight. You give stingy. Sparingly. What does that word sparingly have to do? What does it mean? It has to do uh, with meager or in a meager manner. You're just giving a little bit just to ease your conscience, you know? And then he says, grudgingly of necessity. See, when you give out of duty and not delight, this, this is where you'll find yourself. It says, let her be, grudgingly or of necessity. This is where our heart of giving is being revealed, right here. Grudgingly has to do with affliction. It has to do with sorrowful or unhappy. Look, you don't have to worry about me checking the tithing records, because I don't. There's only, there's only two groups of people that I check the tithing records on, the deacons and the pastoral staff. The deacons and the pastoral staff. You say, why do you do that? Because nobody should be in a position of leadership that aren't following biblical principles. Nobody. And when I got here, there were some on staff that were not following biblical principles. And so we had to work through that. When I was pastor, as pastor giving more in a week than pastoral staff members giving in a year, there's a problem. And you shouldn't be in that position. 
Would we not remove a pastor from a position if he was caught in known sin with another woman? Okay, it's a little quiet here. I would think, yes, we would, and we, we would, and we will. See, you didn't know that. But when I got here, that's one of the reasons why I started. And we worked through it. It was painful for that individual, but we worked through it. Because I let them know, you either got one of two options. Either you will start following what the Bible says, or you will no longer be employed. You said you didn't even know. There is, no, you're, uh, when you're in a lead, leadership position and leading people spiritually, how can you lead someone spiritually when you're not even doing it yourself? It's called hypocritical and it's called being a Pharisee. And I don't care what your last name is. And I don't care how long you've been here. If you're going to be on the pastoral staff that I happen to lead, this is the way things are going to be done. We're going to follow the word of God. That doesn't mean that, that you don't work with people. That doesn't mean that you don't try and put people to, to help them along. But we're not talking about brand new staff members. We're talking about people that have been here for years and years and years. It's not right. See, their heart was revealed. See, really, they were giving out of necessity. Why? Because necessity has to do with pressure. It has to do with distress. And this is why I've said, folks, over and over and over and over again, giving is not a matter of money. Giving is a matter of the heart. It's addressed right here. Are you giving out of duty or are you giving out of delight? It all comes back to the heart. God loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because a cheerful giver, listen, it reflects the character of God because God is a cheerful giver. His mercies are new every morning. They are everlasting. He forgives to the generations, it says. His love is unfathomable. What? God is a cheerful giver. Then number four. You know that you love money more than the master when you <clears throat> give what's only required, when you place your needs in front of God's kingdom, when you give out of duty instead of delight, and when you put your desires above the mission. When you put your desires above the mission. I want, you, I want to encourage you. I, I've talked a little bit about this, and I'm going to talk, uh, and you're going to continue to hear about this. I've talked to you about how how structures change, but the mission doesn't. Our mission here is to make disciples of Christ who are making disciples of Christ. That's what we want to do. We want to help people come to know Jesus Christ, their personal Savior, see them grow in Christ, and then have them make disciples of Christ. It's about building the kingdom of God. It's not about building Open Bible Baptist Church. It's not about our name. It's about building the kingdom of God and one of the things that, that we're trying to get back in the, the habit of doing is having a, a Sunday night activity and, and uh, having people, a Sunday meeting, a Sunday gathering where people are coming together and we're help accomplishing that. And though our structure is going to be different on Sunday nights probably than, than what has been in the past, we'll have certain things going on, different things. But I want you to, to really dial in on some of these Sunday nights that are coming up, instead of sitting at home 
and staying at home. Now I understand with the COVID and things like that, but man, it's really easy to get into a habit, isn't it? It really is easy to get into a habit. But we've got something here coming, starting next Sunday night, and we're going to do it periodically where we're going to be able to work with getting the gospel out. And this is going to be our most unique Bible publishing. Next Sunday night, we're going to do Bible publishing. You'll see it here January 31st, the 14th, and the 7th at 5 p.m. in the gym. And you say, well, what's so different about it? These are all for Williamstown. You've got 16,000 John and Romans. Our goal is to get the gospel to every single home. They're going to be directly sent to every single home in all of Williamstown. They're going to know about Open Bible Baptist Church, that we preach the gospel, and we want to see them saved. Structure a little bit different? Yes. You're not having somebody up there maybe opening up the Word of God and pounding the pulpit and say, you know. But is the mission still the same? Yes. The mission's still the same. Structure can change, but the mission must remain the same. And what happens is sometimes we put our desires above the mission. Said, oh, well, it's just too cold out. I don't want to go out. And I'm so glad that Jesus didn't say, that cross is just going to be too painful. I don't want to do that. That humiliation is just going to be too great. And we're worried about a little bit of cold. See, you put your desire above the mission. Letter A here, fill this out, and we're, we're almost done. i got another 45 minutes to an hour, and we'll be done. <laughs> bigger, bigger and better. Letter A. Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 21. Take a look there. This is where a man was putting his desire above the mission, if you will. Luke chapter 12, verses 15 through 21. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought himself, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? What am I going to do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. I have made so much money this year, I don't know what to do with it. He said, this is what I'm going to do. His desire. This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, I will say to my soul, you have accomplished the American dream. Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, go to Florida, hit a golf course, and enjoy the Bahamas. Eat, drink, and be merry. And that all sounds good, the American dream. Remember, I've told you before, and I'll continue to tell you, you cannot live live for the American dream at the same time. They are diametrically opposed. Did you hear me, church? You cannot live for God and live for the American dream. They are diametrically opposed. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God. Uh Uh-oh. But God. He said unto him, Thou very unwise man. 
He said, Thou fool! This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall, whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? So he that layeth up treasures for himself. Now look at this. Look at this next phrase. And is not rich toward God. Man, he had it all. He had the American dream, if you will. And God said, you can lay up all you want. But the problem is, you're laying it up in the wrong place. You are rich here on earth, but you are not rich towards God. See, you put your desires above the mission. This man got an increase in his material wealth, and instead of seeing what, he, what could be done for God and Christ's kingdom, he looked at the increase as something to up his standard of living. And I'm not against upping one standard of living, but that shouldn't be your first desire. Here you go. You might want to write this down. Don't use your salary increase to up your standard of living. Instead, use it to up your standard of giving. See, money is to be an instrument for blessing, not an indicator of it. Did you hear that? Money, God's not against the rich. Money is not an indicator of God's blessing. Money is an instrument for blessing. See, this man in this parable believed, like many, that the increase that he was given is an approval of, God's life, uh, of his lifestyle. Oh, because God keeps blessing me with money, therefore God must approve of my lifestyle. That is not the case. See, just because you may have wealth does not mean that God approves of your lifestyle. See, he missed the point. God gave him the increase to be used as a blessing for others and for himself to become rich towards God. See, Jesus said that life is not about what you possess. And when you love money more than the master, you find that what you possess really possesses you. When you love money more than the master, what you find is what you possess really possesses you. I've given you four indicators this morning that you and I could love money more than we love God, more than we love the master. If we only give what's required. Now, again, if you've never started tithing, I would encourage you. I, 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 this is not something you ought to pray about. This isn't something you need to discuss. This is something you just need to do. You need to be obedient to it. Because God wants us to do that. It's, it's required. So if you've never tithed before, we want you to start tithing. Why? To honor the Lord, to be obedient to the Lord, to see his blessing upon your life. That's why. But if you and I who have known Christ for a while... If we only give what's required, it's saying something about a relationship. So do we, love God, do we love money more than God when we only give what's required? When we think of ourselves before God, when you give out of duty instead of delight, and when you put your desire above the mission. Now, sir, you've got cancer. How do you know that, doc? Because I ran the tests. Your blood work's coming back and it's showing that you have cancer. 
we need to treat that immediately. We don't want that to linger in your body. Thanks, Doc. You think we can get it all? Oh, we can get it all. There's a couple of procedures we're going to have to do, but I believe we can get it all. If you just follow my direction. Thanks, Doc. That'll be a blessing that I'll be able to have my life extended. Just like the doctor ran a diagnosis to find out that that man or that woman had cancer. Through God's word, I've just asked you a diagnosis of yourself to see where you are in your relationship with the master. Hey folks, thank you so much for watching today. I hope that it was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you don't know Christ, your personal Savior, and you accepted him today into your life, and, and you put your faith in him, I would like to send you free of charge two things. First, I'd like to send you this book, Done. It's written by a friend of mine, What Other Religions Don't Tell You About the Bible. And then secondly, a brand new Bible, just like this one, I'd like to send to you. So please, do me a favor. First, I'd like to hear about your commitment to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Fill out the electronic connection card right below. Click the link. When you fill that out, put your address in, and I will be happy to send this book done and this brand new Bible free of charge to you. God bless you, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.